All right, good morning. Good to see everybody. Uh, a couple of things. If you have a Bible, go ahead and pull that out. Uh, if you don't have one, there's one under your seat, uh, John chapter 10. Also, if you have a smartphone, you could do that as well. Um, if you have the Uversion app or the Bible app, um, you can go there and you can search in the tabs. You can search live uh, in the live section for the Well Austin. You can find notes for today. Or if you wanted, you could just type in that link uh, that's on the screen that you can barely see. But if you have good eyes, you could see that. <clears throat> and that will also take you there as well. And that will go uh, help you follow along with the notes. There's a lot of stuff that I absolutely love about our church, but one of the things that I really love that you may not completely be aware of, and I'm not great at math, but to the best of my ability, it appears that on any given Sunday in this room, there's about 15% of people who are here that speak some language other than English. Um, That's pretty cool. And so uh, that to me is one of the coolest things. So I absolutely love that. So um, from time to time, we have somebody read uh, in a different language, and I think that's really cool, so I love that. Um, have you ever noticed that sometimes by simply saying one simple thing, you can divide a room? Um, I don't know if you've ever discovered this or not, and I'm going to give you a couple examples. So if, let's just say if I say Texas A&M, <coughs> see, immediately divided the room. Because <clears throat> there's some people that would be like, yes, and then, and then if I said UT, there would be a few people that would be... And so, see, there's this whole, like, competition thing, and it divides the room. It actually divides the room into threes, actually, because there's a third group of people who could care less about either one of those. (laughs) Actually, that's that's stronger than either one of those. That is so cool. I had no idea that that was going to happen. But it simply divides the room by simply saying one thing. And there's other things, like just the simple mention of any political person is going to probably divide the room. Um, and I'm not going to name any of them, but you know what I'm talking about. You can, by just simply saying something, you can divide the room. The same thing is true with the name Jesus Christ. Like we take it for granted a little bit because we get to come in here to a nice cozy school and have church and it's all cool. But the reality is, is that Jesus himself can divide a room. If you were here with us last week um, in John chapter 9, what we're looking at in John chapter 10 is just a continuation of that story. Like when we read the Bible and we see the numbers and the chapters and all of that, sometimes we kind of miss out on exactly what's going on. Chapter 10 is just a continuation of chapter 9, okay? So the number actually doesn't do us any service there. And so what happens in chapter 9 is... um, Jesus heals a blind man, and then there's this controversy going on, and people are saying, hey, I don't know what's up with this Jesus guy, but that's not cool. He shouldn't do that. And there's another group of people that say, hey, I'm going to worship him because he's the real deal. And, <clears throat> and so Jesus has divided the room. And so as we get into chapter 10, um, the division is still going on, and they're having this conversation. And Jesus, for the most part, so there's a group of people who are gathered around, okay? And for the most part, Jesus is talking to the church leaders or the Pharisees. Um, he's talking to the church leaders of the day, but other people are there listening. And so as we go into chapter 10, it's important to understand that it's a continuation of chapter 9 and all the stuff that's going on, and he's still having the same conversation. And I want to start reading this morning. <clears throat> In John chapter 10, starting in verse 17, and this is what it tells us. It says, for this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down, and I have the authority to take it up. This is the charge that I have received from my Father. 
And so basically what's going on here is he's just kind of telling them, this is the way that it is. And I'm laying down my life and then I can choose to pick it up again. And, and the reality is the first part of that isn't all that controversial because we can all lay down our life. Like we could choose to step in front of a bullet for a loved one. We can choose to do that. We can choose to jump off a cliff. We can choose to do stupid things or whatever. We can choose to lay down our life. But what Jesus says is, I not only choose to lay down my life, but I choose to take it up again. So not only can I die, but I can become undead. And so that's a little bit of controversy there because people will be like, I don't think you can do that. That's not, Jesus, you shouldn't really be saying things like that. And so it creates an interesting dilemma. In verse 19, as we continue to read, this is what it says. It says, there was again a division among the Jews because of these words. And I think there's two components when it says of these words, there's two components. One being that very thing right there where Jesus says, I choose, I have the authority to lay down my life, and I choose and I have the authority to take it up again. And that's one thing that that's talking about. And then we're going to scoot back up in John chapter 10 and read the other part that people are having a controversy with and they're, they're kind of divided on. So when it says <clears throat> that there was a division among the Jews because of these words, I think it's because of both of those things, okay? It's because what he said about being undead, and it's because of the story or the illustration that he chooses to use. Um, and so that's what it says. And then in verse 20 it says, many of them said, so they're still having this controversy, many of them said, he has a demon and is insane, why listen to him? So like there's this debate going on. Like, can you, it just seems awkward to me. Like, so Jesus is still there. He didn't leave. And people are talking. No, you shouldn't listen to him. He's insane. He's got a demon. Like he, he didn't go anywhere. He's still standing right there. Don't listen to him. He's insane. Got a demon. Okay, so that's what some of them say. Others said, these are not words of one <clears throat> who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Okay, so see how it's a continuation because they're talking about what happened earlier. And he's like, some people are like, I don't know why you're saying that he's possessed by a demon because I don't think a demon could do that. And what we saw was pretty cool. This guy's the real deal. And so there's this controversy going on and they're, they're having a debate and they're having an argument. And so what happens is <clears throat> Jesus gives like a, he's really good at giving stories, analogies. He tells stories that, re, that people can relate to. And so again, he's about to give them a, an illustration of what the Christian life is supposed to be like. Like it's a, it's a spiritual story and he's trying to help people understand like who he is, where he's coming from, why he does what he does. So in Luke, I mean in Luke, we're not in Luke, we're in John. In John chapter 10, verse one, he starts telling the story. So John chapter 10, <clears throat> verse one, he says, truly, truly, I say to you, which, I mean, if you gotta say truly, truly, to me, that's just red flag, less like, beeper, buzzer going off, like pay attention, pay attention. Um, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. Um, so he's talking about and talking to the Pharisees or the church leaders there, okay? So that's what's going on. So he's kind of calling them out and, he, and that's what he says about them. In verse two, it says, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheet. <laughs> the sheep, not the sheet. <clears throat> I don't even know what a shepherd of a sheet is. <clears throat> He's the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by, the, by name and leads them out. 
When he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. And then in verse 6, this figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So basically what's going on here is Jesus says, let me tell you what spiritual life is about. And he starts using this analogy of the sheep and the shepherd and the pen. And he's like, this is what spiritual life is about. Did you get it? And they're like, no, I don't get it. And the reality is, the reality is most of us don't get it either. Like we read the story and we're like, oh, how cute, a little sheep. And we're like, oh, that's a neat story. But the reality is we don't get it. Part of the reason that we don't get it is because we don't, like he's telling a story and then when he starts telling this story, they understand because they've either lived it or seen it. How many of you, just so we'll see where we're coming from here. I don't know what the answer to this is. How many of you actually grew up on a farm? Raise your hand. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight people in the room. My guess is, I don't know, I didn't ask these eight people because I, I didn't know they grew up on a farm. My guess is that these eight people, when they did grow up on a farm, they didn't raise sheep. That's my guess, okay? Because most people, and if you did raise sheep, okay, you didn't raise sheep like they did then, okay? So don't be all mad at me and say, I raise sheep. Uh, we'll talk later. I should have asked you for questions <clears throat> to help me understand sheep. Um, I actually did kind of sort of grow up on a farm, but we had horses, so I don't really know anything about sheep, so I did a little bit of research so that we could all understand sheep a little bit better. Um, sheep are interesting, okay? I don't know if you realize this, but when sheep, when, if you just kind of let a sheep out to go eat, it will eat poisonous things. It doesn't, its brain does not register, this is good to eat, this is bad to eat. It'll eat bad stuff, and it will die, okay? Another thing about sheep that I find absolutely hilarious, and you can get mad at me for thinking that it's funny. But if a sheep falls over and gets like stuck on its back, it's, it's falling and it can't get up. Like it's stuck. And if somebody isn't there to help it get back up, it dies. Like it's like a turtle. Okay? So that's one of the other things that happens with sheep that's really interesting. Another thing that's interesting about sheep is like if you just let them, like if you put, I said, this is the way my brain works. If you put out a plate of food, which it wouldn't be a plate, but let's just pretend. If you put out a plate of food and it was a really big plate, the sheep would just keep eating it until it was all gone. And what happens is they eat so much, they bloat and they die. Okay, this is a sheep. So when Jesus is using this analogy, people are like, oh, I know what he's talking about. I get sheep. Another thing that's really interesting, like if sheep are out and it gets cold, like they have enough sense to know that it's cold. We should do something. So what happens is they start bunching up together and they kind of start like dogpiling and they, get, and they start piling up on each other because they want to stay warm, which in theory you think, oh, that's a pretty good idea. But what they don't realize is that the guy on the bottom at some point isn't going to be able to breathe <laughs> and they will kill their own. Okay, they're not on, not on purpose, but they'll kill their own. And so Jesus is using this analogy of sheep and he'll be like, okay. I get the analogy, but what he's saying is sheep also are really interesting. It's one of the only animals where there's not a wild of them. You know what I'm saying? Like there's a wild dog, there's a wild cat, 
I don't whatever else. There's wild, like like most animals at some point they're they're wild. What happens with a sheep if it's born in the wild? Okay, it's born, it wakes up, and it's like, who's going to feed me? Like it can't survive. Like they don't have the skills to survive on their own. This is a sheep. Okay. And so that, as we go through the analogy that Jesus is talking about, that's what he's saying is, like, do you get it? Another thing that's interesting when we talk about sheep, um, I brought a picture. Uh, actually, I brought three pictures to show you a little bit about how it kind of works. And so when, when he's talking about that they brought them into a pen or whatever, so they would use whatever they had, okay? Like sometimes maybe it was a building, sometimes it was rocks, sometimes it was caves, and they would put the sheep in there, and there was always just one entrance, okay? There's just one entrance into there, and so what would happen is people, the, the shepherd would, would guard the gate, okay? They would guard the gate, and they would be there. And this is a great example, like sometimes they would use rocks or whatever, um, and there's one entrance. And so when Jesus says, like the real shepherd, he, he's standing at the gate, okay? He knows, their, he knows their name. He's talking to them, and the fake people will climb over the walls. And so as he's giving this example, people are like, I know what he's talking about. I've been there. I, either, either they have been a shepherd or they, somebody in their family is a shepherd. They know about sheep, and they know how that goes. And so as Jesus is telling the story, they're like, okay, I, I kind of see where he's coming from. But then it says that they don't get it. Like he tells the story and they understand the sheepness and they understand how it goes. But they still didn't get it. And I think the reality is we don't get it all that much either. And Jesus says that he's the shepherd and we're the sheep. Like I think it's, I would like the story better if it was like he can be the shepherd but just let me be like a leopard. <laughs> like I don't know, let me be... Let me be something else. Like, I, I think we like the fact that Jesus is the shepherd of our souls. Like, that sounds good and comforting, and I think we like that. Jesus is the shepherd of our souls. Like, that sounds good and soothing. We like that. And you know how I know we like that? Because all, this isn't a completely true statement, but almost every time that I've ever done a funeral or been to a funeral, there's been a piece of scripture that's been involved. And if you've been around church at all, you might be familiar with it. It's Psalm 23, and this is what it says. And I would be interested to know if anybody could actually quote. I may stop in a few places and see if you know what it says. The Lord is my, ooh, you know. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. And we like, like, that. it sounds good. The Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Man, you guys are good. You probably won your, like, uh, Bible. Oh, is it up there? Okay, let's continue on. I was freaking out. You would think I knew that was up there because I put it up there. <clears throat> I'm so dumb. So anyways, let's continue. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside. He restores my soul. Like, we, that's good. Like, if that's what it means for Jesus to be my shepherd, sign me up, because we like that. That's good. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. And then it says, your rod and your staff comfort me, which was shepherding tools that they would use. And I, we like the fact 
about the shepherd saving our souls. We like that. That's a good thing. But when we start to understand what sheep are really like and what it means for the shepherd has to be everything to the sheep. In order for them to survive, the shepherd has to be everything to the sheep. Like we like it for Jesus to be the shepherd of our soul because it's comforting and it sounds good. But when we say that the shepherd has to be everything, I'm like, I don't, I'm really sure that I want that. And to make sure that we're not stretching the illustration too far, in John chapter 15, Jesus actually says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And so the reality is, when we start talking about Jesus being our shepherd, like if we understand what it means to really be a shepherd and for us to really be the sheep, we don't like that. Because the reality is, we just kind of want Jesus to be a consultant, right? When things get rough, like I can usually handle things on my own for the most part, Jesus, but when things get rough, like when I have three tests in one week, then I want you to step in and help me out. When I'm having trouble in my relationship, then I want you to step in and help me out. When I'm having trouble with my money, Jesus, come help me. But when we say Jesus is the shepherd of everything, like we just want Jesus to be on retainer. Whenever we need him, we'll just call him and he'll help us out. But for Jesus to be the shepherd of our life and what that means, like when we read that, I'm just going to be frank with you. Can I say this? When we read this, that Jesus is our shepherd, you know what our response should probably be? Oh, crap. That's not usually how I live my life. That's not how I usually live my life. And so part of the dilemma is just accepting or admitting that Jesus is the shepherd. But admitting it is, is one thing, but then following through with it is something else. Because here's the reality. Most of you won't deal with, haven't dealt with this yet, but let's just, we're pretending, and you go to the doctor, and, and the doctor says, hey, you kind of have high blood pressure, and you need to watch your salt. You need to stop eating so much salt. And we'd be like, yes, you're right. I eat too much salt. And you know what we usually do right after that? Go eat chips and salsa. <laughs> And so when we can say, Jesus is my shepherd, and I'm going to give, I'm going to follow him in every area of my life, admitting it is one thing, but living it out is completely different. And it can be a challenge, and it can be a struggle, and, and we don't really necessarily like that. And, and what happens is, because we think that we can handle it on our own, and I don't know where you're at in the spectrum. I'm just going to lay some stuff out here. And, and maybe you would say one thing but internally think something else. But the question then becomes like, well, so am I naturally good or naturally evil? Am I naturally good or naturally bad? And here's what I've discovered. If we're having this conversation in our brain, we, won't, we probably won't communicate this. But in our brain, you know what we say? Am I naturally good or naturally bad? We need something to compare it to. But you know what we compare it to? terrorist. That's what we compare it to. And so in our mind, we're like, I'm pretty good. Like, I don't go and blow up stuff. I'm pretty good. Like, that's how we, we're not going to say that. But in our mind, we think I'm pretty good because I'm not a terrorist. But the reality is, we were created in God's image, but we live in a fallen world. So we are capable of great beautiful things, but the reality is most of the time we fall short of that. 
And you know how I know that we need a shepherd? I know that we need a shepherd. Because if you were ever to ride with me in the car, you would say, that guy needs a shepherd. Because I say things and I do things that are not good. Two weeks ago, I'm sitting at a red light. Can we have confession time? I'm sitting at a red light. I'm the first person in line. And I'm going to be turning right, but there's a truck, like a big truck coming down the street. And there's this lady behind me who I guess was in a hurry. She needed to really go. And she starts honking at me to go. Well, number one, I can't go because there's a big truck coming, so I'm not going to go. So I didn't worry about it all that much because I'm like, she probably just didn't see that there's a truck coming, so I'm not that worried about it. The truck passes. And you know how there's, there's, have you noticed that there's different honks that mean different things? Have you noticed this? So at first it was just kind of like, hurry up, hurry up. But then it's like, get out of the bleeping way. And she's just honking this horn at me. And at this point, I could turn right because there's nobody else coming. (laughs) But I am not naturally good. So I just sit there. And I sit there. And she keeps honking and saying things through her horn. And I keep sitting there and I keep sitting there because I'm going to teach her a lesson. And then finally, the light turns green and I turn and she speeds past me and she gives me the friendly one finger wave. But I'm not naturally Like, if I'm not following my shepherd, that's how I act. That's how I know we need a shepherd. Because in your life and in my life, there are times maybe you're, maybe it happened today or this past week and you ended up yelling at somebody and you knew that you shouldn't be yelling at them. Or maybe you have, you can't figure out how to forgive someone. Maybe you have these thoughts and you know these thoughts aren't right. Maybe you do these things and you know these things aren't right. We are all like sheep without a shepherd. And when we grasp what it means to have Jesus be our shepherd, it's kind of painful. And see, here all along we thought, well, that's a cute little story. The sheep and the shepherd, I like that. It's actually not that cute. And it's a little bit painful when we begin to grasp the reality. It's not going to show up on the screen, but I just want to remind you what it says in chapter 10, verse 4. It says, when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. So there were times when they would have like this really big pen, Okay, a really big pen, and more than one shepherd would have their sheep in there. Okay, and then they would have a gatekeeper who would be there to keep the sheep in. So I don't know what they were doing. So there would be like four or five shepherds, and they would bring their sheep in, and then they would go do their dry cleaning or something. I'm not sure what they were doing, but they would put their sheep in there, and they would go do something, and then they would come back, and the gatekeeper would would say, Okay, you're here to get your sheep, and he would step up, and he would start calling his sheep. And they would have like a a whistle or a word or they would say something. And so there's the sheep, all these sheep in there. And this one shepherd comes and he says, I don't know what he says, here, sheepy, sheepy. And his sheep, they're like, 
and they hear his voice, and they're immediately drawn to him. The other sheep, they just keep doing whatever they were doing. Like, they don't even pay attention. But that's my shepherd. And they start running over to him, and they start following him out. And so when it says that my sheep know my voice, that's the, that's the analogy that he's talking about. But we just don't like, like there's parts of God that we really, really enjoy, right? Like the idea of God, the creator. I like that because we can enjoy that. It's beautiful. Um, I like to go see things. Like I don't want to live in the nature, but I like to see the nature. And so that's really good. God is creator. We like that. God is redeemer. Like I, that's pretty cool. Like God can take the nasty parts and, and fix stuff in me. So God redeemer, I like that. God the judge, I like that. Um, especially because I think there's people who need to get it. I don't like it so much for me, but I like it when other people need to get it. So God the judge, I can kind of get that. God the king, he's building his kingdom. I like that idea. Like he's just doing his stuff, but he doesn't really invade my life necessarily. God the father, okay, I, I like that. I don't live with my father anymore, but I feel loved by him so I can kind of get where that's coming from a little bit. But then Jesus throws this one in there. I'm your shepherd. I'm like, dang, I don't like that so much. And here's the challenge. So if you only hear one thing today, this is what you should hear. Like this is what I want you to leave with. Our challenge is to follow Jesus completely in every part of our life and every moment of our life but we don't like that. We want to pick and choose. Every part of my life and every moment of my life. Like the, the reality is we like the, <clears throat> the best way that I can think of is we like the t-shirt Jesus, right? So we say yes to Jesus and we get the t-shirt and we put it on because we want to like, we're kind of proud and we're like, look, I, I follow Jesus. And then when we're going to go out or we're going to go do something that we don't think Jesus is going to enjoy, we take off the shirt and we put on something else. Like, that's, that's kind of how we like to treat Jesus. But when you realize that what he says is we're sheep without a shepherd, and you realize what happens to real sheep when they don't have a shepherd, it's a sobering reality. And we don't really like it all that much. But, so then the question becomes, well, why wouldn't we want to follow Jesus, why wouldn't we want him to be the shepherd of our life? Here's why. Because we're afraid that he's going to ask us to do something that we don't want to do. We're afraid that he's going to take us somewhere where we don't want to go. But we have to understand what it says, is that Jesus is the good shepherd. So verses 7 through 10. So Jesus again said to them. So he told them the first story about, he's trying to tell them sheep and shepherd, they don't get it. Verse 7, so Jesus said again to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me, <clears throat> all who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Verse 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus is the good shepherd. And when we follow him, he has our best interests in mind. And then we get to verse 10, and it's probably one of the mis most misunderstood and, and 
overly quoted verses in all of the Bible. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. And we like that because we think that that means upgrade, right? That's what we think abundantly means. Like it just means upgrade. Like you went to go rent a car and it was going to be a, a Fiat and instead you got the Mustang. Like you got the upgrade, and we, when it says abundantly, that we think that that's what it means. Like we get an upgrade. And it's not necessarily talking about your current life supersized. This is not what it's talking about when it says abundantly. What it's talking about is that he gives you joy that you can't comprehend, that you can't produce on your own willpower. Gives you peace in those moments where you can't find any. He gives you wisdom to make those decisions when you're not really sure what to do. Abundant life. Verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for my sheep. Most shepherds would actually name their sheep and they would call them by name. And I don't know what they named him, but in my mind, I see the shepherd going to the pen, and he's like, okay, Harry, let's go. Sally, come on. I, I don't know what he named them, but he knows them by name, and he loves them. He knows them and completely loves them unconditionally. Like, do you realize to, to be completely loved, you have to be completely known? And what this says is that Jesus knows you completely and loves you unconditionally. In Matthew chapter 18, it talks about another sheep analogy. And it says, what if a shepherd has 100 sheep and one of them goes missing? Will he not leave the 99 to go find the one? And the question that I just simply want you to wrestle with, and I'm telling you, I've wrestled with it all week, and I don't really like it. But is Jesus really your shepherd? Is he your shepherd? Is he he your everything? And maybe today in this moment, some of you have been like a sheep without a shepherd, and you're just kind of wandering around, and he's calling your name. And for some of you, he's saying, come back to me. And for some of you, for the very first time, he's whispering your name, saying, if you'll just follow me, I'll give you abundant life. He didn't say, I'll give you an easy life, but I'll give you an abundant life. Let's pray. God, this morning, just from a personal level, I, I feel really convicted and really challenged. And I pray that for all of us in the room that 
maybe, God, we would just feel the same way, that you would convict us and challenge us. And God, one of the things that I'm absolutely amazed by is that you know us completely and love us unconditionally. Like you know stuff about me that I don't want anybody else to know. And yet you still love me. And as we continue to pray, I hope that that's what you begin to grasp is that he knows everything about you, even the stuff that you don't want anybody else to know. And yet he unconditionally loves you. And maybe in this very moment, you realize that you're like a sheep without a shepherd. And you begin to hear him calling your name. And you just simply respond. And you thank him for being the good shepherd. And you thank him for loving you. And you thank him for laying down his life for you. Jesus, this morning I simply pray that we would begin to understand that this is so much more than just an analogy. It's more than just a story about a shepherd and his sheep. But it's a story about you and us. It's a story about you and me. Oh, good shepherd, you never lead us astray. You take us to good pastures. You give us abundant life. Why do we choose to do things on our own strength and on our own power? Jesus, I pray that we would no longer neglect you. That we would just simply follow you. And I thank you that you don't give us just a big list of rules and do's and don'ts. You just say, follow me. We say thank you. That you had the authority and the ability to lay down your life and you had the authority and the ability to pick it back up again. And you did that because you love us and you wanted to provide a way for us to have forgiveness of our sins. It's in your righteous and holy name we pray. Amen.